Welcome to LOA Today. Walt and Louise Thiessen here on this Sunday, February the 3rd, 2019. It is 8 p.m. in New York, 5 p.m. in Los Angeles. It's 1 a.m. in London and Sydney, Australia is at 12 noon. But wherever you are in the world, thank you for tuning in for yet another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And Anne-Marie McEwen has decided she wanted to go watch the Super Bowl. For those of you who don't live in the U.S., that's the uh, national championship of the American style of football, not to be confused with the global style of football, which we call soccer, but which the rest of the world calls football. But uh, American football is having their their national championship tonight, and a lot of people are watching. Anne-Marie wanted to be one of them. So my lovely wife decided she'd be willing to step into the breach, so to speak, and uh, talk about uh, a general topic that she's an expert in, because for those who haven't heard Louise before, it's been a while since she's been on the program she is a, an expert on relationships. She was a psychotherapist for over 10 years, um, has her master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and she's also an LOA devotee, so she's quite knowledgeable on the subject. And I am pleased to say, Louise, hello, and thank you for joining me on the podcast tonight. This is great. Well, thank you very much for asking me to join you, and hello to our listening audience. It's actually appropriate because you and I started all this six and a half years ago. Did you know that was six and a half years ago we did this on our anniversary back in September 2012? I didn't realize how many years, but I do remember you're telling me it was on our anniversary. And I remember also that, uh, and you've reminded me many times since then, we've had technical difficulties whenever you've been on before, and we had it that night too. We thought we were doing the first 20 minutes of the podcast, and then we realized it wasn't working properly. <laughs> so we've had... Uh... Well, let's hope tonight with our <laughs> law of attraction is much better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, fortunately, after six and a half years, I've got the uh, technology pretty much down pat. So we're in good stead tonight. Well, that's good. So I we see also people have another. No, go ahead. We also have another anniversary coming up next week. I this believe. is true. That's true. Yes. On Valentine's 20, Day. 21 years. 21st. Yeah. Or 20th. No, it's actually 21. the 20th year because. Let's see. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. We differ on when it is. Well, for the audience, <laughs> what proposed on Valentine's Day. <laughs> So uh, that's another anniversary. For Absolutely, us. February 1999. It was an important year, very important year. So uh, we are going to, of course, uh, talk about relationships tonight. But if you are listening to the live stream and uh, have questions that you want us to discuss, please feel free to add them into the comments section. And until uh, we start seeing stuff showing up there, we're just going to continue to talk about law of attraction from our experience, both within our relationship and within the uh, experience that Louise has as a therapist. And so I'm going to start the whole thing off by saying, well, first of all, we have our own experience with LOA dating back to when we first met, including when we met. And and we told that story before we detailed it before um, for the audience. And I've told, I've actually told pieces of it many times since then. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you to comment on tonight, because I've commented recently about this, is how most people go into a marriage and they feel like, whether they're law of attraction devotees or not, they feel like that you have to do a lot of compromising. And we found we haven't had to do a whole lot of compromising. And I've given my opinions about why I think that is. I've actually kind of astonished some of my co-hosts by saying that. But uh, we, we generally get, pretty much get along. We don't argue too much. And so I, I just want to give you a chance to say your 
thoughts about that? Why do you think that is? And, and why, it, if you can tie it in, why, does that, uh, why is that important from the point of view of being a law of attraction practitioner? Oh, you've given me a tough one right off the bat. <laughs> um, well, first of all, whether you're an LOA devotee or not, if you, the basis in my belief of a really good, healthy relationship is knowing yourself. Um, to know and love yourself. Was it, uh, is it Hamlet, to thine own self be true? Mm-hmm. I stumbled for decades in codependent relationships that didn't work because I was trying to mold myself to what I thought the gentleman in question wanted me to be. Once I got through my own therapy and came to understand who I am, like myself, and accept the parts that maybe I didn't like as much or make changes to those parts of myself, I was fine in saying this is who I am, like me or not. And when I met you, there weren't the power struggles. Mm. If we had a difference of opinion, that's your opinion. You didn't try and convince me I was wrong and you were right. Um, And vice versa. And vice versa. If I disagreed, that's you're entitled to your opinion and I'm entitled to mine and I may not necessarily change my opinion. So we didn't butt heads on that. Um, And then little things that I know some couples fight about, we just found a way around it, the toothpaste kind of thing. You know, (laughs) someone squeezes from the middle, somebody wants from the bottom. Well, we both like different types of toothpaste. This is true. We have two different tubes (laughs) of toothpaste. You can do what you want to yours, and I can do what I want to mine. The same thing with mayonnaise. You like real mayonnaise, mm-hmm. I like Miracle Whip. That's true. We didn't have to compromise. We have two jars of mayonnaise in the refrigerator. Yep. <laughs> so those things we didn't compromise on. And to me, it's not so much a compromise. It's more of a negotiation or taking turns. Mm. You know, we do what sometimes we do something you want to do that maybe I'm not as into but that's okay and vice versa i mean how many times have you gone shopping with me or you know we've gone to mystic or when we've gone on vacations and i want to go into the the shops now we know what my shopping time limit is i can only do it for a certain amount of time which is lucky for you because i know there are some women who can shop all day long. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, and I know that you're waiting either in the store or outside, so I'm cognizant of that. Um, I don't know. Can you even think of something we've compromised on? Not really, and that's my point. That's, and that's the thing that a lot of people are surprised at when I'm talking to them here on the podcast, explaining how I don't really buy into this idea that you have to compromise in order to have a successful marriage. And, in fact, what you've laid out is very much what I've laid out um, when I've addressed the whole question because 
really, it all comes down to whether or not you're in a mentally and emotionally healthy frame of mind. And by the time you and I met, which was when we were in our 40s, we had grown enough and done enough work on ourselves to be in that mentally and emotionally healthy frame of mind. And that's what makes a difference. Um, I think that uh, you gave some excellent examples of it. Um, I would add to it that uh, whenever we do have a difference of opinion about, like, what do we want to do or something like that, the way I explained it, it's not all that different from what you explained. Uh, I explained it that, well, which one of us has the, the, the real passion for whatever it is? If one of us has a real passion for whatever it is, the other one says, yeah, okay, let's go for it. <laughs> I mean, it, we, I can't remember the last time we ran into a situation where you really, really wanted to do one thing, and I really, really wanted to do another, and yet we wanted to spend the time together. It's, I mean, years since we had anything like that, if we had anything like that at all. And it's all because we have made ourselves into mentally and emotionally healthy people. Um, and, and then I'll answer and I my... I think of... No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say... I think of... <laughs> we got to stop doing that. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say that... Uh, I, uh, I was going to answer the second part of the question that I raised earlier, which is why is that important to the law of attraction? My, For me, the answer is it's because when you're trying to attract what you want in your life, you want to be in as happy a place as you can be. Nothing like being in a relationship where there's no struggle going on, where there's no conflict and butting of heads and who's going to win and power struggles and so forth in order to make it easier to stay in a happier place. That's why I think it's really an important thing from an LOA perspective. But you tell me what you were talking about. Go ahead. Well, when I think of compromise, I always think somebody loses out Mm. in that, you know, somebody gets and somebody loses. Mm Mm-hmm. And we don't do that. If no. you, there's something you want to do and something I want to do, well, go do what you want in the morning and do what I want in the afternoon or, you know, one day and another day right. or one weekend, another weekend, whatever. Um, if there's something that I want to do that you really don't want to participate in, then I go do it myself or I find somebody else to do it with. Exactly. Vice versa. Yeah. Um, there isn't that need to have my partner do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Um, you like think you know, you, you aren't afraid of heights. I am. Mm. Um, so it's like, there's no way I'm going to the top of the Empire State Building or when we lived in D.C., the top of the Washington Monument, um, any of those things. So... You already know that if that's something you want to do, you need to do that by yourself or with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you can't go because I can't do it. Right. You just have to make other arrangements. Exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Sarita has also uh, shared her experience on this kind of thing. She says, um, first of all, she says, miracles are mayonnaise for days, and my, my hub likes uh, Miracle Whip. And she says, right now, I'm listening to this next to my husband who's watching the Super Bowl. It's sort of a compromise, but I see him listening to this, so even there. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop and think. Stop and think. Um, I started watching Downton Abbey, the series from the beginning. <laughs> That's true, And yes. you weren't interested. Oh. And I think it was by the fourth season you started creeping into the room and standing and listening we Mm -hmm. have um 
a, we lived in a small house and have a small apartment so that um, listeners, if I'm watching TV, Walt can hear it when he's in his office. So he would generally hear me watching the show anyway. But I noticed he was standing on the edge of the living room. And then he came further into the living room. And I think by the fifth and definitely by the sixth season, you were sitting and watching it with me. Right. Um, so that oftentimes what one person is interested in catches the attention of mm-hmm. partner and draws them in without my, you know, the other partner doing anything. Um, and sometimes it's the fun aspect, mm-hmm. not so much with watching TV, but seeing how much the other person really enjoys doing something. Well, let me go try and see. Maybe I'll enjoy it, too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, you mentioned Downton Abbey. And we were talking earlier about working on your own stuff and, and getting yourself into a healthy place. That's actually why I didn't want to watch the first few seasons of Downton Abbey. It was so dysfunctional, so much soap opera-ish type stuff going on. And then as it started getting to the fourth and fifth and sixth season especially, it started to become healthier and more normal. I was like, oh, okay, well, this looks like it could be interesting to watch. Up until then, I didn't want, I didn't want, I even now when you, I mean, you, you replay virtually the whole thing. We have the collection and, and, if you're watching one of the first few seasons, I'll watch with you for a few minutes, but I can't watch a whole episode because it's just too, it's too insane. Everything's, you know, their, their worlds are always falling apart. <laughs> Whereas. It's way too dysfunctional. Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I know you watch it because, well, you're, you're a psychologist, a psychotherapist. You have that background. So it's really interesting to you to, to explore all that. But for me, I just can't do it. But as it gets healthier, I like it. <laughs> and oftentimes in couples, in a codependent relationship, if the partner doesn't want to do what the other partner does, they take it as an insult or hurt feelings because they aren't, they aren't, I don't know how to put it, they aren't enough in themselves. They don't have enough knowledge and confidence um, in themselves to realize that has nothing to do. Mm-hmm. with me. Right. Um, something that I remember from graduate school, um, the professor, I think in my couples class, who was um, Professor Barbara Lynch, who was also the head of the department at Southern Connecticut State University, um, mentioned that there's two kinds of interest in doing something. There's, I want to go do this because the activity is what's most important to me. If you come along, that's great, but otherwise, this is something I really want to do. The second one is, I want to do something with you, be it my spouse, my partner, my friend, my family member, but the being together is more of what's important. So what we do isn't really all that important. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And keeping... Yeah, and being aware of what is what is going on is you know is am I asking my partner to do something because I want to do it or because I want to spend time with them mm-hmm. and sometimes letting them know you know I I invited you to come do this because I want to be with you I want to do something with you doesn't matter if it's this or we could find something else. Right. 
Exactly. Well, and, and we do that fairly often. Um, I mean, I do the podcast myself. I mean, you did it with me at the very beginning, and you did a good number of episodes with me. But it became pretty clear it wasn't really what you loved to do, whereas I was in love with doing it. I, I was just having so much fun. So it just became my activity to do. And similarly, maybe you'll, you know a weekend will come along, you'll say, oh, I'm going to drive to Rhode Island to uh, spend some time with my girlfriends from junior high school. And I, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, have a great time. You know, it's not like I have to be there or you have to be there when I'm doing the podcast. It's not not that kind of relationship because we are healthy. We made ourselves into balanced people. That we did. <laughs> Which is a good thing. So, okay, uh, let's tie something in a little bit more with law of attraction and deliberate creation. Um, one of the things that I see a lot on Facebook, and we've we've commented on this before, but again, I want to get your perspective as a, uh, a, a person with a psychology background and a therapy background. Um, we see lots and lots of people posting usually one of two kinds of things, either A, I want to get my ex back. How can I attract my ex back? Or B, I've attracted my ex back, but we're having problems again. How do I deal with this using the law of attraction? And... I mean, it, I think to both you and me, it's it's pretty straightforward what the answer is. But tell us in your own words, what do you think of those two questions? How do you answer them if you're if you're sitting across the table from the person who's asking them? Well, the first thing I'd ask is, why is that person your ex? <laughs> why aren't you with them anymore? Yeah. Start there. There's a reason that they're your ex. Mm. Um, if it's behavior or characteristics in that other person that broke you up, are those still there? Have they changed? And if you believe they have, have you seen evidence of it? Um, I'm a big believer in trust is consistent behavior over time. So I'm only going to trust somebody when I've seen behavior or attitudes change. Somebody just telling me, well, I, I'm better. I, I'm not doing that anymore. Well, you got to show me. Mm -hmm. um, so I would start there. If they broke up with you, do you know why they broke up with you? Um, and very often not, the answer that they'll give is no. Very often they'll say, we don't know why. I don't know why he, he left me. He's, he's ignoring me. He won't answer my texts. All that kind of stuff. Just uh, he, he left me in the lurch. Okay. Well, you've just given me some in, important information in that the ex is not calling back, not responding, ha, is not showing any interest in renewing the relationship. Mm -hmm. That can be a hard pill to swallow, but that's important information. You know, why batter your head against a stone wall? If that person is not showing any interest, my advice would be look somewhere else. If the, you can't find out from them or people you trust who maybe were witness to the relationship, if you can't find out what part you might have played, then you've got to take some hard look at yourself to see if, if there might be something that you're um, overlooking in your own behavior or attitudes. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
by the way, Sarita, the comment, she said, I read a book once called, they call it breaking up because it's broken. <laughs> and some things can't be fixed. Mm. Or, you know, the other person doesn't want to fix it. Mm. It's going to take two. True. Women, especially, because we're taught from a young age to be codependent, will try and hold on to something that they really need to let go of. Mm. Um, part of it is I don't want to have to look at myself or I don't know how to look at myself. Yeah, we see a lot a of... A good place... Oh, go ahead. A good place to get feedback is from trusted family or friends. And if you don't have people who can do that for you, then find a good therapist to just discuss with them how you behaved in the relationship. Mm. Get some feedback from them because they can be objective. Your friends may know, but they don't want to alienate you. But a therapist doesn't care about that. They're there to give you honest feedback. And then you can take a look against what uh, the parameters of a healthy relationship. Healthy relationships exist on a scale, just like anything else, so that, you know, they're mildly healthy to extremely healthy. There are extremely dysfunctional to mildly dysfunctional relationships. Um, but taking a look and getting some feedback, doing some reading, there's a whole slew of books, and I'm not going to be able to remember the names of the authors because it's been so long since um, I've been in the field, mm. it's been almost 20 years. But um, if you go to any bookstore and self-help books, anything that talks about relationships, healthy relationships, codependency, you know, you're going to find, if not a checklist, there are going to be chapters on aspects of a relationship, of a healthy relationship that you can um, compare yourself to. Mm -hmm. and see where you fit. There are um, a lot of people who will ask that second question, though. And that's, that's the other one I want you to address. The second question being, I got him back, but the relationship is having trouble right now. How can I use the law of attraction in order to improve the relationship? How do you answer that one? I can only answer it theoretically because I haven't had to use it or had the opportunity what the reading um, has led me to understand is if you start focusing on the positive aspects of your partner in your own mind and in your feedback to them, it will manifest a change. Mm -hmm. Now, you got to be careful because, especially women, we've been taught, you know, I'll change him. Yes. He'll change <laughs> for me. Well, you got to be careful of that. If you aren't happy with the person as they are and you're trying to change them against their will, you're going to run into problems. But if you just focus on the positives, not so much, well, I don't like this, I want them to do this, I don't like that, I'd like them to behave this way. If you just focus on the positives... That's supposed to 
manifest a change in, in a positive way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way I like to explain it is that uh, the other person has to be similarly receptive to whatever that is, by which I mean they have to be in a positive mind space where they're willing to and able to accept the, the vibration of that, the feeling of that request. If they're in a place where, for them, what, what makes them happy, what's making them feel joyful is not to be in the relationship, you can try to do that till the cows come home and it's not going to do you any good. They've got to be receptive to it because, like you say, they have their own free will. They're free agents in that sense. But if, they, if there's at least a potential for receptiveness, then that can be a very effective approach. You're absolutely right. The first level I would look at is if you're both in the relationship and it's not working, are you talking to each other about the fact that it's not working? What do we? What are you seeing as the stumbling blocks? Right. What do you want to do about it? Um, I have, and I can't remember where I read it or heard it, but you can be in a relationship with a very negative person. But if your focus is on the seeing the positive in them, sometimes you don't even have to voice it, but focusing on the positive, you're sending out that vibration into the atmosphere. Thoughts have energy. You're also carrying yourself differently. You're, you're not going to have the frustration and the stress that shows on your face or comes across in your tone of voice, even in the way you breathe. So if you can begin to focus on the things you like about that person, and it, you know, it may be very small. I like the way she carries herself. I like the way, I like the sound of her voice, whatever it might be. You can start really small and then work your way up from that. Mm -hmm. um, that will change the atmosphere within your living situation or dating situation, whatever it might be. Now, with the law of attraction, we are always putting out some kind of vibration depending on what we're feeling and what we're thinking about mm -hmm. and what we're focusing on and so forth. Um, so I want you to also address a side that's a little bit difficult to, to consider sometimes, particularly if we're in the middle of it. But what what does that, that, that preamble clue to you or does it give you any clue at all as to what's going on when you have a troubled relationship especially perhaps in the case of, of you got back together with an ex and things are kind of rough and so forth and they continue to be rough um, before you've even tried to, to think well of the other person, so to speak. Um, what, is the, what does the experience of that relationship say about you? Does it say anything at all or is it just the other person? Well, it's always two people. A relationship is always two people. Mm -hmm. um, one person in the relationship may be acting out, may be very negative, may be unfaithful, whatever. Well, why are you in relationship with that person? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to be with that person? You know, and that's sometimes a harsh reality of looking in the mirror and saying, you know, why am I here? What is it about this relationship that keeps me? 
Now, keep in mind, we don't always choose healthy for ourselves. We may choose what we've, what's familiar, what we know, what we know how to deal with, but it may not be what's healthy or really good for us. Mm. Um, so those are some harsh realities to be dealt with. Yeah, this is and true. maybe I think this is, I want to be, I want to get back with this person because I really don't want to be alone. Well, that's not going to, if that's the basis of the relationship, that's not going to be a good foundation for a healthy, happy relationship because the other person is going to likely feel um, you're being dependent on them for your happiness. Lo and behold, excuse me, lo and behold, folks, one of the things I learned in my own therapy and as a therapist is my partner is not responsible for my happiness. There isn't another person on earth who's responsible for my happiness. I am. So I have to take a real strong look at what's going on and what am I choosing for myself. And am I blaming the other person when I really need to be looking at myself and my choices? And, and talk for a minute about how codependence fits into this. What, cause that, that's the word we haven't defined here and not everybody may understand what that means. So how does that fit in? Okay. How do I define codependency? Again, keep in mind codependency exists in a range of behavior. Um, Codependency is generally that I am dependent on another person for my, almost my existence. I'm looking to mold myself to them, Mm. you know, to act, think, behave in a way that is acceptable to them. Mm. I am not looking at myself and what I want and what my needs are. The other person is my major focus. That's a lot to put on another person, and you may never say that out loud, but they get the message loud and clear. Um, Example, 40 years ago, Yeah, 40 years ago. Well, it was probably about 42, 38 years ago. I met a gentleman when I lived in Vermont. Probably the most codependent relationship I'd ever been in. (laughs) And on my days off from work, if it coincided with his day off, I would stay home waiting for him to come home. I was waiting for the crumbs of the relationship. He would make plans to go do this, that, and the other thing. But I would sit home waiting. Or I was doing the grocery shopping, the laundry, the domestic stuff, when I could have been out having fun, just as he was. Mm -hmm. I was dependent on him for entertainment, for decisions, or my identity. I think that's the the basis, my identity. Mm. In college, 10 years before that, 
I couldn't function. Literally, I couldn't function if my boyfriend wasn't there for the weekend. Mm. I couldn't go anywhere. I could barely study. I just, I almost didn't feel like I existed without that person. Thank God that's not me anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, even in Vermont, um, to this day, I don't expect most people who knew me at that time to know my name. I was so-and-so's girlfriend. Oh. I didn't have my own identity. Mm. I did within my very small group of friends, but within the community, I was so-and-so's girlfriend. And that's how I would introduce myself because he had lived there longer. He knew who these people were. Or they knew him. As opposed to establishing my own identity separate from him. Now, there's the counterpart, which is called counterdependent, which is there are people out there who are looking to find somebody to be dependent, somebody who they can control, who they can um, manipulate, who um, by their behavior make the counterdependent feel strong and in control. Um, there are, and those are primarily people who are very controlling. You've heard of relationships. We've seen them portrayed on TV. You know, where are you going? Who are you talking to? You know, they want to know everything about what you're doing. Um, they make all the decisions. Now, that's the extreme. Right. But that's the, the, um, the other side of codependency is the counterdependency. So one kind of fits the other in a sort of dysfunctional way. They can. They can. They don't have to exist in the same relationship. Um, my relationships never lasted more than six months because the poor guy couldn't handle all that <laughs> pressure or, you know, me not having my own opinions or going out and, Having my own life, it was probably very suffocating. Well, plus also so, in that kind of situation, I mean, you mentioned the pressure you're putting on him, and certainly there is pressure on him. But aren't you also putting pressure on yourself, saying, "I, I have, I can't be happy unless I can get him to do what I need him to do." That's that's a lot of pressure. Well, for the counterdependent, yes. Um, for the codependent. It's always trying to figure out what does he or she want me to be. Yeah. And you're not going to be right most of the time because they want, ideally, in a healthy relationship, they want you to be your own independent woman. When I was a therapist, several of the wives that came in through my women's program were had taken on that old role of what's a wife supposed to be. And they took that on and they wore it. But they wore it year after year after year, never changing. Mm -hmm. And their husbands outgrew them. And they didn't understand that. You know, well, I'm the same I've always been. Well, they don't want, you know, everybody grows. Or I've been, you know, the perfect wife. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> and if 
you're trying to be that, it's really hard for your spouse to relate to that because he or she isn't perfect. Mm. So it causes clashes. Yeah. And most couples don't sit down and talk about what do we want our relationship to be? How are things going? Are there things we like or dislike? You know, it ends up in a blow up or something. And then emotions are usually very high so things don't get talked about. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. I, I think that's where a lot of the belief that you have to compromise comes from. The fact that blow-ups happen more easily when the two people involved aren't in, a, in an emotionally and mentally healthy state. And so there's more opportunity for them to, you know, bend things out of out of proportion, really. And you get two people doing that, and it becomes dynamite, really. Well, you and I dealt with that early on in our relationship in that, in one instance, I was so used to being on my own and not having to consider anybody else. Um, if you remember when we, the first time you met my family, we went All to right. Rhode Island. We visited, <laughs> we visited a friend first, right. but I had taken a change of clothes with me. So if it got late and we didn't have time, to go to my dad's to change, I could change somewhere else. But it never dawned on me to say to you, you might want to do that, or this is what I'm planning, um, you know, do whatever you think, you know, would work for you. So that I did change. We didn't have time to go to my dad's for you to Which change. I was planning on. I didn't expect that, yeah. Right. So you were left, you know, Sort of not hanging out there, but you didn't get to change and dress the way you had wanted to in meeting my family for the first time. Right. So I met your but family dressed dressed in uh, shorts and a t-shirt instead of you know in nice dress going out to a restaurant, which is where we were, <laughs> and all right. because and we didn't coordinate. <laughs> I it never dawned on me that I needed to clue you in. And it was me too, because I could just as easily have tried to, uh, you know, talk about, okay, how are we going to coordinate this? But I was in the exact same spot. I had also been used to doing things my own way. Never occurred to me I had to coordinate that with you. So we both had to learn that. Yeah. And the trip you took to, was it Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fiasco? Yes. I For was... the listening audience, I grew up in a family when my dad would travel he would leave my mom a detailed itinerary of this flight numbers, when they were leaving, when they were um, arriving, what hotel, very detailed. Well, we were still newlyweds, and I think I was thinking you would do that, but I never voiced it to you. So I didn't have contact numbers, and this is back before cell phones right so we didn't even have that so um it came a point when i couldn't get a hold of you and i was starting to freak out um not an emergency but i didn't know if you'd arrive safely hadn't heard from you i had no way to contact you and i ended up in a heap of tears because things didn't go well on your end and i didn't know it there was no communication so that at 
when you got home or even on the phone, we realized, okay, this is what I need from you to be comfortable when you travel. Right. Yeah. And so, that, that makes it a lot easier. Once we know what to expect, you know, what the other person is looking for, then it becomes very easy to meet it. It never occurred to me that, that you need to have that kind of contact, although perhaps I could have figured that one out. But um, I, like you said, I arrived, I, I was flying for the company that I was working for down to their other office in Atlanta to basically install an entire network in the building where they were operating so that they could have a, a new computer network and arrived to find out that the pre-work that was supposed to be done hadn't been done and the whole thing had to be up and mor- running the next morning. So I was frantically trying to resolve all that. Completely blanked out of my mind. Geez, I wonder if Louise needs to hear from me. <laughs> Never even occurred to me. Yeah. yeah. And that was the first trip you had taken Very first. on your own. Yep. So, you know, just not thinking. Right. Um. Or even when making plans, you know, a friend says, hey, you know, can you guys come up and go out to dinner? It's not about I'm going to make the plans or I can't make the plans without talking to you, which is very codependent. It's I need to consult with you. Maybe you have plans for that night or that's not going to work. And the communication about where we're at, what's going on, what we want to do is really important. And by the way, with that trip to Atlanta, even though we did have, you had a bit of a meltdown there and we, and we didn't have the good communication, it also led to what, if for many couples, could have been a big fight. For us, it was more along the lines of hearing each other out. You need to kind of uh, um, let some emotion out, which you did. And once we talked it out, it, there, there was no fight. It was just work it out, figure it out, and we figured it out, and it was done. Whereas many Correct. couples who were in a, a, a less emotionally balanced and mentally balanced situation with their, with their own lives, that could have turned into an ongoing fight. That could have turned into the fight that never ended. Correct. Yeah. And the law of attraction is basic for us. Back, I think, I know within our vows and stuff was we wanted to help each other be the best we could be. Mm. It, there was, we didn't start off with, you're the man, you're going to be in control, and I'm the woman, and I'm going to be subservient, or vice versa. There weren't power struggles. Right. It was, we came together as equals and formed a partnership. Now, that was something that, Again, Barbara Lynch, one of my professors in my couples class, put out there that was so mind-boggling for me and so wonderful. But she said, you can make your relationship whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's. You and your partner create the relationship that works for you. Right. Wow, that was wonderful because... The main reason I hadn't gotten married or wanted to get married up to that point was I didn't like the relationships I had seen. Oh, me too. I didn't like the power struggles. I didn't like the um, the 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 games that were being played. The game playing, oh yeah. Were, which are basically power struggles mm-hmm. and control issues. I wasn't interested in that. Neither was I. In fact, um, that, that was a big part of the reason why I think our relationship worked so well. Because like you said, we came into it both wanting an equal relationship. I didn't want to have that male-female role any more than you did. 
And I think it kind of surprised both of us that we said, oh, you mean we both want that same thing? That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep him around a little longer if, if, that's, if that's his, you know, and again, it was, well, show me, you know, you say this, but show me. And you did. By the way, Sarita, um, Sarita uh, posted something a little while ago, and I wanted to share it. She said, I've been married three times, and I found my perfect partner when I got very okay with being myself and with being by myself. I basically said, this is who I am, and if you can keep up with me, then we can be friends. And that has worked for 12 years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. you got to be okay with who you are, and you have to love yourself. Mm. If uh, that old adage, if you don't love yourself, how can you expect anybody else to love you? It's very true. It's very true. Well, that's just it. I mean, we, we talk about it quite a bit on the show with a lot of different uh, topics that kind of are tangentially, you know, associated with this. But almost everything that is involved with us wanting to attract a person, a career, a money, a good health, you know, some special relationship, uh, you know, something with family, almost anything that we want to attract into our lives, we have to be in a place of loving ourselves first so that we can feel good enough to attract it. Because so often, I'm well, actually like 99% of the time when we're trying to attract something, it's because we don't have it yet. It's not, we, we usually don't go out of our way to try to attract something we already have. You know, it's like, no, I've already got that. Correct. <laughs> so we're looking for something that we don't That's have. Nice. So actually, we're initially starting from a position of lack. Which is why so often we talk about, well, now you got to get yourself into that good feeling place where you feel like you already have it and where, where you're basically hardening it into reality with your belief system. You can't do that if you don't love yourself. If you, if you're not feeling you know, good about yourself, you're just, you're not going to get there. That's the thing. Well, and you're not going to feel you deserve it. Yeah. Because if you don't love yourself, then you don't feel you deserve. Exactly. And you'll sabotage. Now, yeah. one of the things, and you'll remember the night I showed you the list. Um, yes. <laughs> one of the things we did in my couples class was Barbara had us write out what she called our shopping list. What things are you looking for in a mate? And there were haves, wants, and needs. Now, was it haves? No. Needs, wants, and wishes. I think that's how she put it. All right. The need, and she related it to you need a car. Okay. What what you want might be a certain model or make, and then the wishes are color, interior, whatever. So there were three different levels. But we sat in class and we made up this grocery list of what we wanted in a spouse. And I'm not sure where it is. I'd have to go back and look. But my recollection is there were not there were. It was not written from a negative perspective. He right. can't have this or he can't have that. No, it wasn't it that was at all. It was all from a very p positive perspective. Mm -hmm. And to the listeners, we were Walt and I were in a discussion one night, and I can't remember what the topic was, but uh, it was obviously about characteristics we were looking for in a mate. And I said, well, hold on. Let me get mine. And I came out because I had that list, which – uh, threw you into a fit of laughter because here I had exactly what I was looking for. And we'd been dating for quite a while, I think, at that point. So we looked at the list and it's like, check, 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 check. <laughs> and Walt had the majority of the characteristics 
I was looking for. And I didn't sit with the list after I met Walt and said, does he fit these? I just wrote that list, put it away, knew what I wanted, and that's part of, you know, knowing yourself is knowing what you want mm. in a mate. Yeah. And you got to be really specific, like with the law of attraction. you got to be real specific or it'll get almost, but not quite. And it wasn't very recent. It was like years before, wasn't it, that you'd written that list? We're not talking like a year or two. It had been almost 10 years. Yeah, that's what I thought. It'd been quite some time. Since I wrote the list, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which raises a question that people want to know the answer to. Why did it take so long for you to attract me? I mean, if you made that list 10 years before, it took 10 years for the universe to deliver it. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Why did it take so long? Because I was still very codependent. Mm -hmm. I but had not done my own work on myself to the point where I realized I couldn't change anybody else and I could be okay with who I was. And I could put out to the universe Hey, I think I'll get a husband. Yes. Which some of you, especially who have read the book, Your Daily Dose of Happy, or who watch the show on a regular basis, have heard the story about how Walt and I met. But um, in November of 97, wasn't 1997, it? Mm -hmm. my cat died, my cat of 16 years. And that January... Friends were saying, you know, are you going to get another cat? And I just said, no, I think I'll get a husband. <laughs> I was in the mindset to find somebody. And you'd done the work. And I had done the work on myself. I knew what I wanted. And um, I was actively looking for mm -hmm. someone. That old adage of you'll find them when you're not looking, nah, put it away. You find them when you find them. I was putting out vibes that I wanted to meet somebody. And I was telling my friends, he's got to be psychologically healthy. Um, and lo and behold, I said it to the right person. She said, I know somebody. Phone calls. The rest is history. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you, me you mentioned uh, the, the idea of putting it away. I actually did put it away. And... Therein lies a very important tale, because by the time you were putting out there, okay, I'm ready to meet somebody, and you're talking to people, who do you know, who fits this profile, yada, yada, you were in a very positive mindset. At that same point in time, I was not in a positive mindset. I was on yet another failed relationship that was really, really a painful one, and I, I had basically thrown in the towel a month before Deborah put you and I in touch with each other. So I really did need to let go because I was in that negative mindset. That's why you let go. You let go because you're in a negative mindset, not because you have to let go in order to attract it. You let go in order to stop putting out the negative vibration. Yeah. Yeah. And when you did that, I'm going to guess you stopped thinking about it's not going to happen anymore. You just weren't even thinking about it happening, which allowed... Well, I was beat or up. It do happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was beat up by that point. I was really, I was yeah. so 
um, disabused of the idea of being in a relationship. I, I, I just kind of threw in the towel and said, okay, I give up. I'm going to be a bachelor the rest of my life. I just can't do this anymore. And you're right. At that point, I just said, I'm not going to think about this stuff. I can't do this anymore. I got to do something else with my life. And a month later, I heard from you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a definite sequence going on here. First of all, 10 years before, you put out your list. But you haven't worked on yourself yet. So you work on yourself and you're also working with others as a therapist and you get to the point that you're a very healthy person and the request that you'd put out 10 years ago by making that list now could actually come true. And so the universe delivers it to you and it delivers it to you while you're in a very high vibration place where you're putting out there like, I'm going to get a husband. Do you know anybody who fits this profile? So, so there was mm -hmm. that timeline. For me, the timeline was a different one, but it still intersected perfectly because I had been through relationship after relationship that I couldn't even call relationships. I mean, none of them lasted more than a week. I think the longest one was three weeks. Um, and it was with each one that came along, I became more and more convinced before I even got started with the relationship that it wasn't going to work. So I sabotaged it. I sabotaged yeah. relationship after relationship after relationship until I finally got to the point where I said, I can't do this anymore. I threw in the towel. And so my resistance was gone. Your resistance was gone. You had, you had set yourself up to be in that good feeling place. I had, I had also been doing some work on myself over the years. And all of a sudden, boom, the universe could deliver it. So why does it take the universe right. so long? Because we're stopping it. <laughs> That's what took so long. <laughs> That's it. That's it in a nutshell. The universe will deliver it if we get out of the way. And that was one of the things that I used to say. It's not so much with the relationships. as I need to get out of my own way. Exactly. Yeah, me too. By the way, Col Stop Colleen, resisting. Colleen put in an interesting comment. She says, I already know who my husband is. He just has to catch up with his thoughts. <laughs> that's cute. Well, and that's it too. Sometimes the universe... And I, I, higher power, universe, ancestors, whoever it might be, has someone in mind, but they're not quite ready yet. Yeah. So the universe is moving in their life once you put it out there to get them ready. Um, I, I use the analogy. We're Harry Potter fans. And in the first movie, <laughs> when Hagrid goes to Diagon Alley and he taps the bricks mm. and they start to move or when they go to um oh what's the bank called ringots ringots and the guy runs his finger down the oh at the vault the door yeah and everything falls into place right that oftentimes when we put a desire or a need out to the universe Things have to move and change to come into place so that that can happen. I've had that happen on a couple of jobs when I've gone for interviews. I didn't immediately get the job, but within a very short period of time, something happened, and the person who was supposed to take the job didn't, or something else happened, mm -hmm. and they offered me a better position, whatever. But you could... Afterwards, in talking to people, you could see things almost starting to fit together so that it would work for me. Yep. It would be set up for me. Um, and sometimes we have to be a little patient for the universe to 
to get there. And the universe is always trying to find a way to deliver it. Uh, 99 times out of 100, it's us getting in our own way in ways we didn't realize it. I didn't realize that I had this psychology going on that before I even went up and said hello to a woman I'd never met before in order to to ask her out. Before I even got there, I was convinced that the relationship wasn't going to work. So I was sabotaging it before we even had our first conversation. Uh, And and I was doing (laughs) that more and more and more. It couldn't possibly work. It was just not not even in the cards. So we asked ourselves, we asked each other early on in our relationship, why did we have to wait until we were in our 40s in order to meet? And it became pretty obvious we still had things to work out. I still had to work that, that bit of psychology out. You had to work out the codependency part. We had stuff we had to get out of the way. And once we did, now there was a route for the universe to deliver us to each other. But until then, we were blocking it every every way but Sunday. And if we had met, it would have it, you would have sabotaged and I would have been codependent and it would have dissolved in a oh, matter yeah. of weeks or months and it wouldn't have... It wouldn't have lasted almost 20 years as it has. Weeks or months, according to my experience, it would have been days. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, this is good. We've had a chance well, to share some of this stuff. But, uh, save that thought because I'll come back to it. i got a couple minutes in here. I want to make sure I get our announcements in. First and foremost, if you're not yet a subscriber, please become one. Um, almost everywhere that you're able to see or hear this particular podcast, you can find a link where you can click on to uh, become a subscriber. Just click on the one for your particular device. If you can't see one, just go to the homepage of our website, LOAToday.net, and you'll see icons there for whatever kind of device you're using. Just click the right one. It'll walk you right through it. And then once you're a subscriber, please be continuing to share with people you know in your life who you think might be receptive to what we talk about on these shows. And tell them, hey, I was just listening. I thought you might be interested too because we want to spread that daily dose of happy to as many people as we can. So just wanted to make sure I get those two notes in there. And uh, we got like a minute and a half left. So what was it you were going to say before I so rudely cut you off? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've continued with to talk and with the law of attraction in our lives. Mm -hmm. We sit down and we talk about it. Um, How is it working in our lives? We've come up with games that help us um, stay in touch with the positives. We've used it as much on a daily basis and within our relationship as we can. Mm-hmm. We haven't both come to it at the same t- rate of speed, but it's been close enough that we've been able to um, keep our relationship together. But we, I think our main goal, just as in our vows, was to be the, to help each other be the best people we can be. And that is what keeps us going. Oh, that's one of the best parts about our relationship, that we do exactly that. I mean, if I'm feeling down, you, you do things to try to pick me up. If you're feeling down, I try to do things to pick you up. And and we're always, in those situations, the one who's feeling good is always trying to help the other person just get into that better feeling place, knowing that everything's going to work out. Yeah. So well, thank you for 20 years. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for joining us on the podcast, too. I really appreciate it. You're and, very welcome. I mean, we don't get to do it and very hopefully often. We didn't have any, hopefully we didn't have any technical difficulties. No, we didn't. Everything went smoothly. So this is good. <laughs> so good. thank you very much. Thank you to our live stream listeners as well and to our uh, podcast recorded listeners as well. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>